Hi, and welcome to Deer IQ, where smart hunting begins. I'm Adam Lewis, 20-plus year educator, 30-plus year deer hunter, untastefully seasoned outdoor writer, and I'm here to help you achieve what we all hope for, to be truly greater deer hunters. We are in a new series, The Systems of Great Deer Hunters, looking at what specific systems the best deer hunters use that give them an edge over most hunters on mature whitetails. In this episode, we'll have well-known big buck killer Adam Hayes, who has shot multiple bucks over 200 inches. He has a knack of getting in these big bucks heads, and we're going to get deep into his head to find out the secrets he uses to get it done. And so maybe you can too. As we dive into this episode, here are the top look-fors or things to look for during this episode. Why does Adam think most hunters aren't able to get on and shoot 200 inch deer? What has Adam learned about being in a monster buck's head that is different than most would expect? What exactly is the system he uses to find a buck of 200 inch caliber? And there's a bunch of other gems in there too, so let's get to the podcast and up your deer IQ. All right, we are here with Adam Hayes. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Adam. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, great name. Um, yeah, it's good to have you on. Um, we're you know talking about what great deer hunters do uh, to be successful, and I consider you to be one of those. Um, Appreciate that. Some some guys, yeah, some guys might not know you. Some will, I'm sure. Some might not. So uh, I'll let you just kind of say, you know, tell us what is your resume of sorts? How uh, have you gotten known as a big buck hunter? Well, like I said, I appreciate you having me on. I am, I've been in the archery industry for a little over 20 years now. A lot of guys might know me from some of the shows I've worked on. Um, I've basically produced a hand helped produce a handful of shows for different manufacturers in the archery industry over the last 20 years. I started off 20 some years ago with skylines hunting the horizon. I'm sure it's, there's some people that listening that probably don't even know what skyline (laughs) camouflage was, but back in the day, it was pretty popular pattern. I did that show for a couple of years. Uh, I left that show and started Whitetail Addictions for Lone Wolf Tree Stands back in the day, and I worked with those guys for five or six seasons. Um, ended up moving to Florida and working for Tom Miranda and started the Matthews Dominant Bucks after that. Worked on that project for a few years. Um, did some stuff with some guys from Wyoming on Intrepid Outdoors. And then, you know, about 10 years ago, I got the idea to do my own show. You know, I've been doing it for long enough, knew what it takes, had some good relationships in the industry and started team 200. So that's kind of my resume as far as the industry goes, you know, this will be my 43rd year bow hunting. You know, my dad got me started shooting a bow when I was four and 14 when I was, uh, my first hunting season when I was 14. So yeah, going into my 43rd season. So it's hard to believe. It's been that long, but been doing it for a long time. And you know, over the years, I've developed my system like we were talking about earlier through trial and error and just 
being a sponge and trying to soak up as much information and learn as much as I can, which started out just reading articles back in the day, you know, North American white right. and following the Winslow brothers and Roger Rothar and Miles Keller. And a lot of those um, guys that were really big back in the day when I was just, you know, cutting my teeth and, and really getting into, you know, chasing mature animals and then um, written, uh, you know, for North American Whitetail, Big Buck Magazine. I, I can't even begin to name all the magazines I've written articles for over the years, but done a lot of writing. So I'm sure some people have seen some of my stuff. And then um, I actually bought the Deer Hunter's Moon Guide about 10 years ago because that product has been... Um, I'm not sure anything has had a bigger impact on my success when it comes to hunting and killing big deer as the moon guide and following and paying attention to lunar influences on mature animals. So that's been something that's kind of come back around, you know, it was out in the mid nineties and kind of went away for a while because Jeff Murray, a good friend of mine that came out with it and owned it, he passed away and he battled leukemia for seven or eight years. So the moon guide had kind of, you know, don't want to say it died off, but he wasn't putting a lot of effort into it, you know, with mm -hmm. uh, his health struggles. But yeah, I kind of revitalized that, turned it into a, an app, and it's helped a lot of guys, you know, kill biggest bucks of their lives. And that's kind of been my my goal and my um, other than Team 200 show, you know, the last 10 years is trying to build the moon guide back up and share that information with as much people as I can. So, Gotcha. So a lot of... A lot of experience and how some other people might know you you shot how many bucks over 200 inches four which yeah, is really on my wall yeah really really uncommon to even know that uh, a 200 inch buck exists so um that puts you in an elite club i'd say for sure so in this segment let's let's jump into this i, I think we'll start by looking at you know, and you're currently in Ohio, is that correct? Yes. Is that prim what states do you uh, hunt usually each year? Well, born and raised in Ohio, you know, I've been hunting Illinois and Kansas pretty consistently over the last 20 years. Same areas, real familiar with the, you know, the places I hunt out there. Um, I try to hunt Canada as much as I can. You know, obviously, I didn't get to get up there for a few years during COVID, but I right. did get up there the last couple of seasons um, in a new area, you know, with a new guy, really like it a lot. But Canada is, um, especially Alberta and Saskatchewan, it's just, I had a chance to move up there, you know, probably 20 years ago. And I've second guessed that because <laughs> it's just a sportsman's paradise up there. I love it up there. But yeah, Ohio, Kansas, and Illinois are my staples. Gotcha. Yeah, and talking about bucks over 200 inches, when we talk about, you know, how how that's possible. Like, here and there, by luck, a guy might run into and might be able to get a 200-inch buck, you know, and have one on his wall. Before you start getting, you know, one or two and three of those, there's something different. That guy is doing something different. He knows something different. He has different approaches, right? So let's dig into that um, a little bit here. You're known for taking these mature bucks consistently. Um, in, in your opinion, what are the reasons why most hunters 
can't or aren't doing that? I'd say first and foremost, you know, the biggest thing for me personally was actually, you know, getting out and finding those animals because they're not on every farm. You know, there might be more now than there ever has been in history, but, um, you know, getting out and finding that animal first. I think you're just so far ahead of the game if you take the time to get out and find that caliber of animal that you want to hunt, you know, especially a 200 inch deer, but it doesn't matter if it's your first Pope and young buck, first Boone and Crockett, first 200 inch deer. If you'll take the time and effort to get out and find that animal first that you want to kill, you're going to be way ahead of the game. So I think that's probably, you know, the, the key to it. Um, and then once you find that animal, you know, committing to killing that animal, you know, if you want to kill your first Boone and Crockett, but you can't pass up that first 150, 160 inch deer that walks by you, you know, you, you got to be able to make that commitment that if that's what you're going to kill, you know, it's that deer or nothing. So I think a lot of guys, um, that's, that's probably one of the biggest, I don't want to say it's a mistake, you know, because if you're happy with shooting the 150 or 160, you know, it's, that's a great deer no matter where you're at. But if right. you want to kill, uh, you know, I said this once on a TV show and I've had so many people come up and say this to me that, you know, you can't kill a 200 if you shoot a 180 because I'd passed up 180 inch deer one year when I was after a giant and it's relative to, you know, it doesn't matter what you're, what you're hunting, you know, you got to make that commitment to kill that animal. And if you shoot the first good buck that comes by, you're never going to kill him. So it's making a commitment, you know, to yourself and to the animal that you're hunting to not settle for anything less. And then I think probably lastly is, the biggest mistake guys make is actually. Hi, this is Adam Lewis with DeerIQ.com and this is your High IQ Moment. Have you taken the time to identify systems you use for hunting? By systems, I mean a set of principles or procedures according to which you hunt or prepare to hunt. Systems do the heavy lifting required for success. Most people immediately think gear, like your climbing system or tree stand or saddle ambush systems, which are some, but there are many others to think about. For example, how do you collect data on deer to determine their weaknesses? And how do you decide where and when to hunt, especially when you have many options? A system can help you do just that. How do you keep your gear and clothes organized and scent free? How do you organize gear in your vehicle to quickly and efficiently hit the woods? These are all just a few examples, but some things you should really consider. I've noticed that the best hunters have boiled down their methods to some simple, easy, and effective systems that eliminate the chaos and decrease the amount of thought needed. This helps you put time and energy into other things, like actually shooting deer. Systems are a best-kept secret and friend of top deer hunters and something you should really think about. And do you like this episode so far? If you do, please take a second to like and subscribe and maybe share this episode with a friend that may benefit. That really helps the podcast grow in this channel and is greatly appreciated. Okay, and now let's get back to the podcast. The biggest mistake guys make is actually 
once they find that buck and they commit to hunting that deer, that they don't over hunt that deer and, you know, ruin their spot and blow that animal out of the area before, you know, they end up killing him. I, I think that, you know, when it comes to hunting and killing mature whitetails, the hardest part of it is actually not hunting them until you get the deck stacked in your favor and everything's right. I'm a big advocate of trying to kill an animal the first time I go in and I'll do everything I can to stack the deck in my favor. Cause you know, we're talking about a different animal than the rest of the herd. You know, this is yeah. an animal that's lived five, six, seven years. And I know we've got some stuff to talk about, get into depth later on, you know, yeah. that animal, but it's a different animal. It takes a different approach. And, you know, I'm, I'm not telling guys not to hunt, but there's, you know, there's certain criteria that I'm looking for before I'll ever dive into an area to try to kill them. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake guys make is blowing an area up before they really have their best opportunity to kill them. Yeah, a lot of times we're our own worst, worst enemies there. Yeah. there. There's a lot in there, and I want to try to peel some of that back a little bit, some of the layers. So I would say a lot of guys, uh, out of necessity or maybe they just don't know any better, but the the mentality is that I have these places to hunt, and that's where I hunt, right? And so you're saying maybe not look at hunting as far as hunting properties, but you're hunting deer. So you find the deer and then you try to figure out how you can get access to, to hunt that particular deer. Would that be correct? Yeah. And you know, these days that that's getting to be you know, one of the toughest part of the games is getting access, you know, to, to hunt these animals. You know, it's not like 20 years ago when you could drive down, you know, the road in the summer of glass soybean fields and find a giant and go knock on a few doors and be able to get up permission to hunt them you know mm-hmm. and like i said i've been hunting you know ohio illinois and kansas all my spots for 20 years and i've got my places that i focus on and i've kind of transitioned from getting out and locating new animals in different areas to to doing the most of what i have with the areas that i've already got you know as far as quality deer management food plots passing deer you know trying to let them get to that you know older age group so um yeah that's that's one of the biggest changes for me you know is going from how it used to be to now it's it it has changed a lot so it's not as easy as it used to be to get out and find those animals and get permission it's kind of transitioned to trying to grow them but i mean you know it's still possible you know in, in some places right to, to knock on doors and get permission to hunt them. Yeah, that is a big change, and I think everybody's feeling that to where you can't get permission like uh, used to. Uh, everybody's leasing stuff, and so where you could maybe used to go all over a state or an area in a state and find a deer to target, it's, yeah, now more managing the spots you have. Um, but even in, in that, it, it's you need to be in the right spots to grow deer like that. Oh, yeah. is, is that correct? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm lucky I grew up in Ohio. I mean, <laughs> you know, right. there's, uh, there's states that have got probably better numbers than we have, but I don't think anybody's got better quality than Ohio. So, you know, Ohio was a great place to grow up and start a bow hunting career. And I've had been fortunate to live, you know, central Ohio, which is, uh, 
over the years been a great area for really big bucks. So I've had big deer here, but you know, I've chased big deer all over the country, you know, from Ohio to Alberta. Um, and it's, you know, it's a matter of getting out and finding them. I mean, it's just like anything else, you know, if you want to catch your first 50 inch musky, you know, you're not going to go to a farm pond down the road, you know, you're going to go to a spot that holds that kind of, that kind of fish. So it's the same right. thing with deer, you know, you got to get out and find them and you're not going to kill a 200 inch deer living in Florida, <laughs> probably <laughs> odds right. are stacked against you. So you got to go where they're at. Or probably not. Like I'm in Michigan here. So, I mean, it, it can happen, but the, it's putting odds in your favor, right? Um, going to those areas of certain states or certain states in general that it's at least possible. And then really, like you said, now it's more about getting some good access and good areas and then uh, trying to grow those deer. Yeah. Um, so you what know, are some... Like I was, don't mean to interrupt you, but no, go ahead. everything we're going to talk about today, as far as my tactics, my, you know, my system, what I've done over the last 40 years, you know, from finding deer to actually being in a tree and trying to get an arrow one, everything I do is about trying to stack the deck in my favor, you know, to increase your success. And that, I think that's what that's really what guys need to focus on. And it's every aspect of everything you do is trying to weigh the odds in your favor. Cause you know, just like you said, just seeing a 200 inch deer or something, a lot of guys will, will never even uh, you right. know, see, let alone kill one. So everything I do is about trying to, you know, push the odds in my favor, whether it's the spots that I hunt, the States that I hunt, the equipment that I use, my system, you know, it's all about doing that. You've got to stack the deck in your favor because those opportunities that those deer of a lifetime don't come around very often. Right. Yep. Um, what are some things, I know this wasn't uh, totally on our list of questions here, but as far as growing them, uh, you kind of focused on that. Now, what are some things that you would focus on? And we're talking again, 200 inch deer, which is your goal. Um, and this is, I guess, probably where a lot of guys find themselves. Uh, so it's get in areas that can grow them, right? Um, but what are some things you'd focus on now as, as far as, okay, I want to grow some deer and have some deer that could, uh, you know, make it to that age class um, and potentially have 200 inches on their head. What are, what are you doing uh, to help that out, I guess? Well, obviously, I think it starts with being in an area that has those type of genetics, you know, um, that would be first and foremost. And, you know, when it comes to trying to grow a 200 inch deer <laughs> from year to year, you know, there's th there's 10 things that can happen and nine of them are bad. It's just it's very difficult, very difficult. You know, when you, when you're trying to let deer grow. There's just so many negative things that can happen. But I mean, there's only so much you can control. You know, you can try to provide great cover for these animals. You know, I've noticed over the last 10 years um, doing some work in real estate, doing some consulting, you know, traveling around the country and seeing, you know, different farms and how different people have their properties set up and what they're doing with the food plots. It almost seems like we've got to a point where properties are overmanaged. You know, there's, and this is not a hundred percent, you know, this is not written in stone. There's exceptions to every rule, but it seems like 
properties are being overmanaged and there's so much quality food available that guys are attracting 95% of the deer herd that they don't want to kill and they're not holding the 5% that they do. You know, it's like there's been more emphasis on, on food, which, you know, there's, there's definitely an argument for having food because if you've got the food, you know, you're going to have the deer, but it's almost like these properties are being overmanaged and creating these perfect utopias for to hold all these deer, but yet the neighbors are the ones killing the big bucks because those big deer most of the year don't want to be around the other 95% of the herd. Hmm. You know, so there's a really fine line with, with food plots and managing your property, but Obviously, like I said, you, you got to do everything you can to hold the deer. Food's a big part of that. I prefer to have more good cover than food because I think if you've got better cover than your neighbor, you're going to hold the mature mm-hmm. animals, you know, and then passing the deer up, you know, letting them get to five, six, seven years old. I mean, there's a lot of different thoughts on how long it takes a deer to reach its potential. I think here in Ohio, it takes, or anywhere really, it takes a special animal to get to 200 inches. It really does as far as genetics. But if you get him, give him the age he needs and the food he needs, you know, you're looking at investing, you know, five, six, seven years in one animal. So it's not an easy process, you know, to, to, make, to make, help get that animal get to that, you know, magic number. So, right. I mean... There's only so many things you control, you know, trying to provide good cover, good food, you know, water, you know, minerals. You know, I, I've planted a lot of fruit trees, trying, just trying to have everything you can possibly do to make your property as good as possible and different options as far as food go to hold and to attract those deer. You know, Ohio is a bait friendly state, which I'm not a big proponent of baiting. It's almost like a necessary evil anymore because if you're not baiting, you know, the neighbor your neighbors are and they're yeah. pulling your deer. So you've got to do it, you know. And I think that um, something that helps is providing food sources year round and not just food sources, but different food sources because different food sources kind of peak in their attractiveness to deer, you know, different times of the year. So the more different things you've got available, but there's always something that's like a, a preferred source at that time, you know? Yeah, making it so comfortable for a mature buck that he feels that's home. You know, make mm-hmm. him give him no reason to, to go anywhere else type thing. Right. Um, and it can be tough depending on what area you're in, I've noticed. Because um, even where I live, you know, not many of my neighbors here. I've got just a few acres with my house, but... I don't think anybody else here really food plots at all. So anything I do is better than who's around me. But right. if you got areas where, you know, it's like everybody's doing the QDM and they have really nice food plots and all this, it becomes a competition, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all year round, what are you doing to get that buck to make your property home and feel that most comfortable there? It's quite a challenge. Um you mentioned, I thought that was really interesting, that people are almost doing too much and attracting so many deer that it kind of pushes out or makes it unattractive to some of these more mature bucks. Um, what would you say, um, if we could get in a 200-inch buck's head, what would we see uh, and what would we what would surprise us? Like, what would we, uh, what is different about 
this deer compared to most deer that people see and shoot? Well, I'd want to say first that that's relative as well. You know, a 200-inch deer in Ohio probably isn't a smarter deer than, I'd say, a 160 in South Carolina, you know. You know, when we're talking about mature deer, we're talking about the oldest, most mature animal, no matter where you're at. So Mm -hmm. might not necessarily be a 200 inch deer. But I think, you know, when you really start looking at those animals, and like I said earlier, you know, you're talking about a different species, really, than the rest of the deer herd. You know, when these big bucks get to be five, six, seven years old, they come, they become completely different than the rest of the animals in the herd. And I like to compare them to an old guy like myself. <laughs> These, you know, I'm 56 now, and my biggest concern every day is keeping my butt safe above everything else. And that's really, you know, what it's all about for them. You know, they quit, they quit, um, you know, traveling the countryside as much. You know, they quit participating in as much of the breeding as they used to. Um, their core areas, I've heard this from a lot of different guys. I was just talking to uh, Lee Lukoski about it the other day. You know, when a buck gets to be five, six years old, man, his core area shrinks to where he might live and die in a 40-acre section that he mm-hmm. knows intimately, and he doesn't leave it. You know, they just don't make too many mistakes right. when they get to be that old. You know, they've they've been through the gamut. They've survived five, six hunting seasons they know the deal. They know where they're safe. They know what they need to do. And it's, um, you know, it's a completely different game. Uh, I, was, I heard a song the other day, and there was a line in the song that said, I haven't lost a step. I just look before I take it. And, you know, that, that, is, that says it in a nutshell with a big deer, man. They get to a point where they look before they take every step, you know. And it's, it's a, it's a different game when you're chasing an old buck for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, almost like everything is thought through. They aren't making any, uh, on, they're really efficient with everything they do. I guess they're not using yeah. en- energy where they don't need to. Like, um, I think we have a mutual friend, Doug Roberts, and, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to him and he compares it to ages of people too, by decade. So two year old buck is like a somebody in their 20s, let's say, uh, running around, a lot of energy, might not be real smart, you know, but by the time you get older and older, uh, you, you're you're pretty wise about things, and you aren't wasting a bunch of movements and effort and things and doing silly stuff. Um, yeah, you get you, to be 50, 60, man, you, you look before you take every step. <laughs> and that's that's what it is, so putting yourself in a deer's head, a mature buck's head and saying, okay, you know, what would this animal do and how can I hunt him? It's, you can see how it's ridiculously hard, right? You said that 40 acres, if he's just living in that area, he knows anything that changes in there. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of guys would be surprised how much these big deer are actually, actually patterning them, you know, instead of them patterning the deer. It just never ceases to amaze me how smart these animals are. I chased a, I, I leased a farm in Southern Ohio and I've had it for probably eight years now. And I had a really good deer on there that I let go for four seasons. He finally got to that point where he was, you know, 200 inches and it was the year I was going to try to kill him. 
And I just had noticed over the years, for some reason, it seemed like that deer knew exactly when I was there every time. I couldn't figure out how he knew what was going on because he'd make a mistake, show up in daylight on camera and, you know, be doing something. I'd go down there and he just gone, wouldn't show up. And one weekend I went down there and I, I had a, I've got an electric ranger that I use to get around my farms and I wanted to leave the ranger down there because I was going to spend two or three days hunting down there. So I asked the farmer if I could leave, you know, my ranger and the trailer right behind his house. He's like, yeah, no problem. So I parked in a different area, kind of pulled back in behind his house and it was just overgrown and he had a um, old hog pen, you know, grass was five foot tall in it. And I pulled up next to that and I'm getting all my stuff ready and climbed up on the trailer to, you know, pull the ranger off. And I heard this awful commotion. I look over and that giant buck that I've been hunting, letting go for the last four years was inside that hog pen trying to jump the fence and the fence was like seven, eight foot tall and he couldn't get out. And finally, and he just, his chest kept bumping up against it. And finally, I think the third or fourth time he managed to get over the fence and I walked in that hog pen and it was only like maybe, you know, 50 feet square, just a small little pen. And there were beds in there and the fence was open. The gate was open just enough that he could get in there. And I mean, he's laying within a stone's throw of this guy's back. Yeah. And I was where I'd normally parked at, I'm, you know, on the other side of the yard, 50, 60 yards away from him. And I'm sure that buck knew every time I was there. And it just so happened I changed where, where I parked that night and jumped him out of there. And yeah, he had me figured out. Yeah. Just, I would have never guessed that buck would have been laying, laying in there embedded. But yeah, that's a great animals. story. Yeah, and that transitions well in um, this next segment. We're going to talk about some of those details and how you actually make decisions and figure out, you know, how and when uh, to hunt mature bucks and kind of flip the script to where hopefully you can uh, pattern them and trick them and get them to not pattern you. So that'll be the next segment. Uh, Adam, great talking with you. Absolutely, man. All right, so here are your high IQ takeaways and challenges. Do you have systems for finding the type of deer you want to shoot, or do you just settle for what you have available where you hunt? How can you maybe get or improve this system for deer acquisition or finding deer? Take some time and get our journal and really sit down and write down your thoughts. That really helps you move forward and make good progress. Next time we reveal Adam's Deer IQ test score and you can take the test too as well and compare your score to his. It's fun and easy and it's linked below so check that out. And we'll also get into Adam's specific systems in more detail. And these are ones again that you can also use to up your game and chances on bucks. You won't want to miss it. And I'll see you then.